Amen. Uh, let's open the Bible's place to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 36 through 39. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 36, <clears throat> and let's read these verses in unison. We'll read them all together to the end of the chapter, verse 39, and shall we stand please for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Ready? And he spake also a parable unto them, No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles, and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also, having drunk old wine straightway, desireth new, for he saith, the old is better. And uh, this morning I want to talk about new wine and old bottles. Uh, this is a very important parable. It's in three of the Gospels, and it's a very important uh, truth when it comes to the old and the new, and a ready scribe brings forth things out of his treasures, both new and old, the Bible says. But uh, this is an unavoidable, inescapable truth about uh, biblical salvation. All right, let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the message. We pray that you lead and guide us as to what to say and how to say it. We pray that you bless your people, help us to rejoice uh, that we've entered into the kingdom and uh, never take it lightly nor for granted. We pray that you would help us to remember the doctrine and to be able to uh, stand upon it, to teach it, and to win others to Christ. We yield your spirit that he would uh, empower and help us to preach and hear thy word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. New wine and old bottles. I'm going to relate this passage to uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14 uh, by way of introduction. And then we'll give you the practical application at the end. I'd ask that you listen very, very carefully uh, now in our last days, apostasy, antichrist, spirit that's so prevalent in the world, they want exceptions. They want uh, inclusion. They want diversity. But the truth is, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Life is composed of absolutes, whether we want to admit it or not. The truth, the King James Word of God, is absolute truth. This authority, the laws, they're absolute. The law of gravity is absolute unless you can overcome it. Mathematics is absolute. Two plus two is four. Whether you admit it or not, you run from it, you lie to it, it's still truth. 
Gender is truth. You're either male or female, whether you like it or not, and you don't get an egg from two roosters. Uh, that's the harsh reality. A lot of people can't handle these days. So we're supposed to be sober, diligent, have the spirit of excellence like Daniel. These attributes in our life, we must live by them, stand for them, establish them, they must be followed and they must be defended because human nature is sinful nature. And human nature has this tendency, this great temptation to avoid absolute truth, to deny it, to ignore it, to procrastinate accepting it or putting it into practice. Human nature has this tendency to try to always take a shortcut, always take the easy way out, always run from the harsh, absolute truth. So what is the truth? There is one way, not many ways. There is one book, not many books. There is one Christ, not many Christ. And there is one biblical salvation, not many variances. Now, this is a famous passage. I think Brother James taught on this a while back. I want to read you Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So the broad way, you know, I always, I always want, what, what, how come I, get, I don't like New York? I'll tell you one of the reasons is Broadway. <laughs> It's the broad way. No, it's a straight and a narrow way. The broad way leadeth unto death. So in Christendom, most people who quote unquote claim to be a Christian, they have these doctrinal generalities. They know the basic knowledge and the things that happen, but they're almost always off on the absolutes the fundamentals of the faith and because of that there's no changed life there's no change in the way they look the way they live the way they dress the way they cut their hair the way that they conduct themselves their language what is the reason for this it's because they're trying to put new wine into old bottles. Right. And so I want to explain what that means. Uh, this is absolutely crucial when it comes to sound doctrine. Now, the Bible talks about these two ways, gates, paths that can be taken. You can put new wine into new bottles, or you can put new wine into old bottles, or you can enter into the straight, narrow gate, or you can enter into the wide gate, the broad way that leadeth into destruction. God gave every man free will to choose. So we know there's one gate to enter the one way, 
and the purpose of the one gate is to get onto the one way and the gate is entered by free will whosoever will may come all you have to do say I will come to Christ by simple faith so if you're going to travel somewhere you choose your destination the next thing you do you choose the path to get to the destination next thing you do is you choose the vehicle that'll take you on the path to get to the destination and then you choose the driver of the vehicle on the path to get to the destination jesus said i am the way he's everything he's the destination he's the Road. He's the vehicle on the road. He's the driver of the vehicle on the road. And it's Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing. He is all in all. But we always have these people who think they can add to or take from. They claim to know the destination. They have some of the terminology, some of the doctrine, the generalities. But... What is the goal? To get to heaven, to have eternal life. And in order to do that, you got to go back to the beginning. You got to enter the straight gate and the narrow way to get on the way to eternal life. So if Jesus is the gate, and he is, according to John 10, he said, I am the door. Religious people, they try to enter in some other way, jump over the wall, break a window. The thieves, they come to uh, break the law, the thieves and the robbers. But the way leads to life. The false way, the thieves and the robbers, they think they're taking a shortcut. They think they're not going to do it according to the law of God. It always ends up in death so if you want to go to heaven you have to get in the way if you want to get in the way you got to enter the gate so the gospel is very simple uh repent of all other ways enter into the straight gate believe on christ as your lord and savior and then realize though it's a straight gate it's a narrow way so this word straight it means they're uh, narrow, there are obstacles standing close about, and there's things that you're going to have to overcome. It will not be easy. It will be very difficult. You have to stand true, you have to abide, and you have to put place your hand to the plow don't look back it's also narrow so what this means is a crowded place of a throng of a multitude where you are going to suffer persecution temptation tribulation and actually the word means in technicality a rut or a worn track so once you get in it you can't get out the ruts are so deep you just get in that narrow way and you just keep on going with Christ. Amen. This is God's way. This is the only way. You do it right or you don't do it at all. Right. You do it God's way or you end up with the liars and the robbers and the thieves in hell forever. So this straight in the narrow way. A lot of people get to the gate 
They want the gate. They try to walk, walk through the gate, but then they want a wide way. They don't want any biblical rules or laws, and they try to get in the gate, but then they want a wide way. It doesn't work that way. This is what liberals do. This is what a lot of uh, people without standards, and they don't want to repent of sin. They want Christ to be their fire insurance from hell. They don't want to really go to heaven. They just don't want to go to hell. And they're just looking for the easy way out. So you see, no standards, no conviction, no service. There's no altar call. They don't have the old-timey song book. They don't have the, the true Word of God. There's no preaching. There's no conviction. There's no challenge of a changed life. They're saying, let's put the uh, new wine in an old bottle. I want to stay the same, but I want the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work. Actually, it's worse than not trying at all because it ends in a self-destruction, as I'll talk about uh, later, Lord willing. So, if Christ is the way, which He is, He is our Savior, which He is. He came to save His people from their sins. Emmanuel being interpreted, God is with us. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So, why is it that so many people want to go to heaven, but they don't want to go to church? Or they want, they want to go to heaven, but they want to go to the wrong type of church. They want to go to heaven only because they don't want to go to hell, but they want to bring the world into the church to satisfy the lust of the flesh, to be a compromise or sellout. They don't want the real thing. They don't want the straight gate and the narrow way. They want some type of big old gate with a broad way. But where does it lead to? That one leads to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. So, few find it. Few accept the reality. There's a straight gate. There's a narrow way. And most people want a shortcut. Right. They want to take the easy way out. Uh, no persecution, no misunderstanding, no rejection, uh, no temptation. They want the world to accept them. They want to fit right in. They want to be popular with the social group that they're a part of, their family. They don't want to be misunderstood. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to be the, the side of the family that has to be explained. Yeah. I was told that's what ours is. Uh, we were going to be introduced to somebody and they might be coming into the family by marriage. And they said, uh, we have to explain these people. They're weirdos. Uh, you know, I, I rejoice that I was counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Like yesterday, I was sewing and this guy, he was a Navy vet. He had AKs, oh, not AKs. AR-15s everywhere. Who are you to stand on my porch and preach to me on my only day off? I'm a nobody. I'm just doing what God told me. Can I give you this to read, sir? Hit the road, Jack. I ain't coming. I knocked the dust off. But, uh, you know, I, I rejoice. I was counted worthy. He said, I was brought up religious. I know what you're doing. 
I said, exactly. I know what you're doing. You're brought up religious. That's your whole problem. So you got this straight gate, narrow way, or the wide gate, and many go in, and it ends in what? Utter destruction. Now, when we relate the gate to the bottles by way of introduction, and I'll just say this, I'm going to say some things about wine. Uh, don't misunderstand me, you need to listen very carefully, so if you're going to go to sleep now and wake up later, uh, pinch yourself and try to stay awake through the whole thing. Uh, so we're going to look at the, the, the principle of what is wine. Once wine is made, it starts a process of change, basically. That's what it does. It starts to change immediately. So we know, according to God's Word, that salvation is complete. It is all or nothing. It will regenerate your spirit. You'll get born again, revived. It will justify your soul and save your soul. And if that happens, I realize we don't have our glorified body yet, but something's going to change in your body. You will begin to look different. You'll sound different. You'll dress different. You'll change. You'll take your body different places. Something's going to change if it's true salvation. If nothing changes... That person did not get saved. Mark it down. If there is not a change in spirit, soul, and body, they did not get saved, and they can pray every prayer they want as many times as they want. They can get dunked in the tank as many times as they want. They can walk the aisles as many times as they want, sign the uh, membership card. Unless there's a change, unless you put the new wine in a new bottle, you can't put the new wine in an old bottle. Right. We see this happen time and time and time again. My dad said yesterday they did follow-ups, had some great ones. What's the problem? Why do you have to do so many follow-ups? I'll tell you why. They're trying to put new wine in an old bottle and it doesn't work. And it's going to end up what the Bible calls bursting. Now, what does the Bible say? We are to be, I think it's in Ephesians or Colossians. I have whole studies on this. We are to be filled with His fullness. That's the term, what God uses, the doctrine. Filled with His fullness. Now when you study this, this, uh, these words, the word is repletion. And it means the contents and the container. So you have to be have the right contents in the right container or you have no spirit fullness and you have no true presence of the spirit you cannot take the right contents and put it in the wrong container it's an impossibility so you have people coming to church learning about god learning about the gospel understanding the cross uh, these the crucifixion these types of things but most of them are not willing to have a new container to put the contents in so they're trying to put the new wine in an old bottle and it ends in utter destruction 
Second Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Not some things, not a few things, not most things. All things will become new. If you really, you know, isn't it sad we have to say it? somebody gets it, they'll get saved and say, this guy got it. You know what? He really got it. But what about the people who didn't have the same evidence of the presence of the Spirit? That guy really got it. You can see it changed life. There's something different about everything. Their spirit, their soul, their body, their mind, the way they think. The things they do, the people they associate with, their convictions, their beliefs, their values, their priorities. Something has changed about this person. Now, in the biblical time, they did not use glass bottles. You need to understand the culture of uh, the Middle East in biblical time. So when it's talking about bottles, it's talking about a membrane of leather. And so the, the, these bottles, you might have seen them, and a lot of uh, even Native Americans use these a lot um, in, in the uh, founding of America. But so you have these leather bottles, that's very important. They change and adjust after they are made because it's a type of skin. So the skin shrinks, You've seen rawhide. You've seen other things tan more supplely. But if it's going to hold a liquid, it has to be pretty stiff. And it's, it's more like a, a rawhide. And there's different parts of a, the animal's bodies they use for this. But that's what it's pertaining to. Now, the new wine, once the wine was made and it was put into these bottles, the wine immediately changes because... The word wine means effervescence and a chemical reaction, I guess that may be the wrong term, but something begins to change in the wine. And so through time, it changes more through time. And this then, if it's an older bottle that it already set up to its nature and shape, this changing would bust the bottle. So it would be a waste of the wine to put it into an old bottle because it would break, they would lose all their money, they would, it would just spill out on the ground. So the Bible likens this wine to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it says in Ephesians, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit needs a suitable body. You see, a lot of people don't understand the fundamentals of this. The Holy Spirit cannot go and enter into an unsuitable, unfit body because uh, it says in 1 Corinthians that our body becomes what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit now is going to live in your body. God's going to uh, regenerate your spirit out of your belly will flow a river of living water Jesus said if you believe on him you'll never thirst again so God has to work a miracle to change your body you gotta ch God has to work a miracle to change your body so your body can handle the presence
presence of the Holy Spirit of God, which is the third person of the Godhead, that you can handle it because if he doesn't, what's going to happen? It would burst. It would burst. Now, this is a confusing doctrine to some, but it's pretty simple. Uh, if you think it through and you understand Middle Eastern culture and what Christ is doing. And this parable, as I said, is in three of the Gospels. So a lot of people just think of the new was grape juice. The older fermentation we would think of has some alcoholic content of a percentage or however you figure that out of the fermentation. But when you think of this new wine, the word new means harvest of plenty. And it's all in the Word of God. Psalm 10.3 says, If God blesses you, it will burst out like new wine. It'll burst out. In Psalm 104, the Bible says that the new wine maketh the heart glad. And it was a blessing of God for people in that time. Now, I realize they didn't have refrigeration. As soon as they made it, this effervescent, it started to change. So, in Acts 2.13, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost is likened to new wine when it came. And so, you might have, in the old days, or hopefully they'll, uh, like you've seen uh, sports people, celebrate with uh, champagne they pop the court and put somebody's eye out or whatever it has it has a pressure you know you, you it builds pressure anything that's carbonated like well, carbonation is the wrong term man-made carbonation but it builds pressure you know like tricks people play shake up a coke can brought you a drink pop it and it just goes everywhere so the it changes and as soon as you put it in the container it starts changing and expanding so the bottle has to be compatible with the change of what is put in it so when you're filled with this fullness you have to have the repletion of the contents and the container so this word, uh, the wine, it actually means effervescence or fermentation. And it does mean if you do too much intoxication, and it's related to riotous banqueting and frivolity and parties. So most people don't realize when you eat food, it ferments. As it goes down the esophagus, sits into your stomach, and, and the enzymes begin to work, your food ferments. It, it's just a natural thing of uh, vinegar and uh, other things. Myrrh, I think, as it relates to this. Oolong tea is fermented once. Pu'er tea is fermented two times from China. They flip it over. A lot of Americans like black tea, the old Lipton's tea, because it's fermented one time. Some of you didn't know you're drinking fermented tea. Uh, uh, green green tea, monkey pick tea is just where they pick the tips, and it's and pure green tea, which has the best immunity and, and fights off antioxidant. But Vinegar is like that. A lot of the things we cook with are like this. Even mustard and ketchup and all these types of things. The condiments that a lot of people use. 
That's why I said in 1 Timothy 5.3, use a little wine for thy stomach's sake. 1 Timothy 3.3, 3, Titus 1.7 says if you're called to God and, and uh, have an office in the church, you cannot be given over to it. You can't be given to wine. Why? Because this change takes place and it'll change you. So the, the, the Bible, that's why it talks about wine bibbers and drunks and uh, talks about spiced wines and mixed wines and mingled wines with astonishment that leads to violence that clouds the judgment. It says don't even look at it when it moveth itself aright in the cup. First Peter 4.3, the excess of wine. So how does that relate to the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is new wine. And when you get born again, your bodies are going to come to the temple of the Holy Spirit. But your body has to be miraculously changed to be compatible with the new wine. Because if it's not, you're putting new wine in an old bottle. Now, how, how does this happen? Through repentance. If you are not willing to turn from your sin, if you are not willing to have a change of a mind and a change of a heart that what I'm doing is wrong, it's against God, it brings death, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm under conviction. I want to change. So you're, all, all it means is about you're marching along. So I don't want to do that. I want to follow God. I want to enter into the, the straight gate and walk with Christ in the narrow way. Amen. But what do most people do? And this is why it's so we, we, we need to be very careful this and remind each other of this every once in a while. The easy believism, sales pitch type of soul winning to where all you have to do is pray this prayer, repeat after me, and you're going to heaven. And even if that were true, if you're not willing to have a new bottle, a total changed life, a, a changed soul, and a changed body that the Holy Spirit can reside in so that the contents in the container are compatible, filled with His fullness, the repletion. What would happen? And I think it does. I can't prove this, but I think it does. They spiritually implode. It's a spiritual implosion. And this is why you have all these people. They'll, they'll hang around for a while. They'll make a profession. It's looking pretty good. They might be serious this time. They prayed the prayer. And then what happens? Well, you don't say what well, They never changed. Nothing. There's no change of a heart. There's no change in the way they think. There's no. There, you can't have the Holy Spirit living in you without a change. Right. You see the heresy in in this apostate fake Christianity with a fake Jesus mm -hmm. is that you can be saved without any change. Mm -hmm. And they 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 took the bait. They believed the lie that you can have new wine in an old bottle. Oh, I was, I was in vacation Bible school when I was in the fourth grade, and I, I received Christ. And uh, well, what have you been doing for the last 40 years? Oh, a lot of sin. 
never changed, never sought God, never repented, never tried to do the will of God, no fear of the Lord in their life, no change. What happened? Tried to put new wine in an old bottle. So that's why it says if they drunk the old, they never drink the new again. It's, this is a, it's a mystery, but it's not. Because if you receive the new, it becomes old, right? And if it becomes old, what is that? Eternal security. And if it's old, it always was, it's eternal. Past, present, future, from eternity past into eternity into the future. And so most people, though, they can't relate because they don't understand there must be a willingness to have a complete change. Most people want to come to Christ and try Him out for a while. It's almost like a lease-to-buy program with a vehicle. I'll try this out for a while if it's good for me. And that's why either Christ does not commit Himself unto them. It says that in the book of John because He knew what was in all men. Or, and I can't prove this, but it seems like they spiritually imploded. They spiritually imploded. Now, how many people regurgitate what they claim to believe? You know, I was thinking about the cormorant, that evil bird, which is female in gender, that will live on the banks of the lake of fire throughout eternity. It's a stork. And what the stork does is it regurgitates what it ingests. It, it ingests it, it goes down, it does its set right with them, and they immediately... You've seen those stores do they, they, that big old gullet, and they just uh, regurgitate. How many people blow up? They just explode. They implode because they were so naive to think you could tamper with the eternal Holy Spirit of Almighty God and play games and not be committed and try to take a shortcut and do it your way or experiment and try to use God to fulfill your own lusts. I've had people call, you know, and, and you really investigate, you delve deep, get down to the root cause. They don't want God. They just, they're sorry they got caught. Jailhouse religion. Jailhouse religion, woe is me, I don't want to lose my driver's license, my wife's mad at me, I may lose my kids to, uh, you know, whatever that government agency, a child protective services, that's all they care about. Regret and remorse, where is the repentance? All things are supposed to become new. Amen. No, not a select few, not a selfish few, the repletion. So the body, the mind, the spirit, the soul, the thoughts, the priorities, your convictions, your beliefs, your friends, your associations, your affiliations, your entertainment, uh, your music. You know, have, who are you to tell me that I can't listen to that? Hey, I'm not telling you anything. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll know it's wrong. Yep. 
George ain't straight, he's crooked. I don't care if he is from Catula and plays at the San Antonio Rodeo. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, if, if the Holy Spirit could be put into a original body, a sin-cursed body, where there's no desire for a change, no desire for the victorious life of Christ. And what did Jesus say? I read it again this week, John 6. If you don't eat his flesh and drink his blood, you don't truly believe on him. And they said, he's wanting us to be cannibals, basically. No, you got to want him. Him. And if you get him, he'll change your whole life. Amen. Not what he did on the cross, him. So, just listen to these illustrations. I'm almost through. Why is it that the Bible says when Jesus cast out devils that the victim was torn? That's always been interesting to me. They were torn and rent in their spirit and their soul. When the devils were cast out, it ripped something inside of them. In, and you could call it the uh, soul body or whatever you want to, the spirit body. They got ripped from the inside out. Why does it say that if you've tasted of the good word in Hebrew and then turned back, the end is worse than the beginning? You know, it, it could very well be that if somebody, and this is all speculation, if they tried to take in the Holy Spirit in an old body and they did an old bottle, they didn't want to be a new bottle. They, they wanted their sin, but Jesus too. That the end is worse than the beginning. Why does it say that the dog returns to his vomit? That they vomited out, regurgitated. The sidewall will bust. Yeah, you know, I got a puncture in my sidewall recently. You know what they do now? We cannot cover this. A patch won't hold it. You need to buy a new tire. <laughs> Every time, man. In the old days, they just patch it. I, I don't know if it's a sales pitch or what. I know it's safer to get a new tire. But you know, how many times it just busts? It can't handle the, the, the expansion of the pressure. Now, if you get saved, something's going to change. You're going to get an expansion in you. The Holy Spirit's going to change, start moving, and it's going to affect every part of your life. And this new liberal sellout fake apostate Laodicea Antichrist gospel where you can believe in Jesus, listen to the same old music, go to the same old places, do the same old things, have the same old friends, run with the same old crowd, have the same wicked entertainment, is a lie out of hell. And what they're doing is, they're trying to put new wine into old bottles, and it is an impossibility. Now, what happens when someone makes a profession, there's never any fruit? What happens when somebody makes a profession, they never follow through? 
They never take it serious. They never seek the Lord. What happens when somebody makes a profession and they forget? That happens all the time. The evil birds steal the seed of the word. They get torn. They get ripped. They get bursted. And, and we didn't even look at the illustration of putting new cloth onto the old. And that, that, that goes to Middle Eastern culture also. So what is the truth? Straight gate, narrow way, one way, Jesus is the way. Amen. Many seek for it. Many long for it. But they don't want a new bottle. They want that new wine and they want to put it in an old bottle. Very few want the new bottle. Isn't it so amazing how cunning the devil is and how deceptive he is and how many people today are deceived, being deceived, deceiving others, sitting in churches, Christendom, and they don't want a new bottle. They don't want it. I had a guy tell me, he said, I'm a, uh, I said, I'm a Methodist. I said, oh, my grandmother was a Methodist. He said, I don't want to hear it. We're Catholic lights. That's what they're taught. We're like a Catholic, but we can do the fun stuff Catholics aren't supposed to do. I mean, that's what he was, he was bragging about. He goes, hey, I, we get to drink, we can dance, we can do whatever we want. I don't like your type. Oh, so you like the old bottle. Oh, you are, you're faking yourself out that you got a new bottle, a new wine and an old bottle. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, you know, I read it to you again. You think it over. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. Notice what perishes? The bottle. Jesus said, fear not him who's able to kill the body. Fear, fear him who's able to kill body and soul in hell. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also having drunk old wine straightway desireth new, for he saith the old. Now you go read verse 39 and figure it out for yourself. Once you get your new wine old, you'll never go back. This is eternal security, and the longer you're saved, the more enriching it is, the more thankful for you are, and God saves the best for last. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Every head is bowed.